I'm James Erpine. This is the Locked On Bengals podcast on Twitter at James Erpine at Locked On Bengals. Subscribe iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcast. Joe Goodberry of The Athletic coming up in 30 seconds. Make sure you check out LockedOnBengals.com. Not only is every single podcast there, but you've got articles from our team of writers, including myself. We break down things for you. We get you every single podcast. There's videos from OTAs and so much more right now at LockedOnBengals.com. And uh, let's welcome in Joe Goodberry of The Athletic. I got the chat with him. Here is part one of my conversation with Joe. And I was actually able to get down to OTA practice last week. And um, a few things that, that stood out to me that I wanted to run by you. And I'll be honest. The first one is the sight of Cedric Obwehi playing with the first team offensive line. And I saw him, he was on the right side, he was playing right tackle. And okay, it's one, It's just one practice. Jake Fisher not suiting up. That being said, I still was like, oh God. And it just reminded me, like even in a perfect world, we're one injury away from seeing Cedric Obwehi either on the left side or the right side of that offensive line. And I get it, Frank Pollock, he's the offensive line coach. He's supposed to fix him. I don't think he can fix Cedric's issues. I would agree with that last point. I don't think you can fix his issues, but I do think you can help his strengths look better. Um, In in a zone blocking scheme where your athleticism and length really count, uh, he has both of those. And now he's never really been a good zone blocker or really a good guy in the second level or in space because mentally he doesn't seem to know when and where to block every time. Uh, If you can help him with that mental part of the game, uh, he can be a decent player in, in, in that. And, and he was in my top 50 Bengals players, uh, at, I believe, at number 49, um, which is bad for a first-round pick. That usually means you're a bust if you're on the back end of the roster. But he is probably the most equipped to be a swing tackle at this point. He's played 700 snaps each at left tackle and right tackle. Uh, if he is not the starter at right tackle, which he could beat out Jake Fisher and he could beat out Bobby Hart if we're – Looking at this, Bobby Hart is definitely the third guy I want playing out of Fisher, Abwehi, and and Hart. Um, So if Fisher's not cleared yet or if he's not participating yet, it makes sense that Abwehi's out there with the ones at right tackle. But, yeah, Cordy Glenn's got injury issues and and history at left tackle, too. Um, There's a chance Cedric Abwehi is playing and playing a decent amount this year, whether that's four games, whether that's eight games. Um, I, I don't think we're out of the woods yet with seeing him. So, Joe, with that being said, Joe, uh, I almost said Joe Goodberry. Yeah, if Joe Goodberry plays left tackle, they're really screwed. But if Cedric Obwehi is is playing eight games at left tackle or right tackle, is this team making the playoffs? Because I would say no. I would say I would say no, too. Um, we know the biggest issue is has been the offensive line. And, and I, w- I had this argument with, uh, with a fan that, you know, saying, well, the team has drastically improved. They've got uh, Billy Price and, and Cordy Glenn. And I say, well, I agree if we're looking at it from the positive angle. The negative angle is, well, what if Cordy Glenn misses another eight games? What if Billy Price is just okay? Uh, rookie centers don't typically light the world on fire. Um, if he's just okay, well, that could be a, an upgrade from Russell Bodine. Does that really push them over the edge? Um, so uh, to me, if you're still playing Cedric Wayne, he still plays a good amount of snaps. You still have issues at one important spot on the offensive line. Uh, and then we got right guard still where we, we are hopeful that one of these three guys turn into a, a solid starter. Uh, but it could be worst case scenario where this line is bad again. I, I have argued that 
if your weapons are getting open and getting open consistently and quickly, that helps Andy Dalton get rid of the ball. And there's so many plays while I'm watching and review when I'm writing about these top 50 players. I've already written about three offensive linemen. So when I've been looking at it, they will miss or whiff or get beaten, but the ball's already out because that's the Bengals' offense. It's schemed to be quick passing, get open quickly, and you can mitigate the issues on the offensive line so much with that. So you can still have issues on, on the line, but it needs John Ross to be healthy. It needs um, Tyler Eifert to be healthy. It needs needs Tyler Boyd in the slot to be even better than he's been. Um, and Joe, Joe Mixon and Giovanni Bernard, if all those guys hit their stride and you still have issues on the offensive line, you can still be a successful offense. Yeah, and it it's crazy to think about. Um, but last year, I, I felt that way. We we had that conversation. I think both of us thought that the Bengals' offense cer- certainly would be better than it was 32nd overall. I was really high on what the, the 2017 Bengals' offense could have done, and it blew up in my face. And I don't know if it's that. I don't know if it's the, the point you mentioned where they're they're still relying on a lot of guys that are either unproven, have injury history, or both. But the national media, the national perception of this team is is negative at this point. Part of that's got to be Marvin. Part of it's got to be Andy Dalton. But I was reading an article last week that had the Bengals at six wins. I know the Vegas over-under six and a half. For, for comparison's sakes, the, the, the Browns over-under is five and a half. So it's very close to that. Their odds to win the Super Bowl were the lowest or among the lowest in the NFL the last time I saw those odds. National media not buying all the changes the Bengals have made. I don't think they're they're really confident in this team is that fair? Is that unfair? It's hard to tell because it's a highly volatile team. And I say that because it could be boom or bust. It could yeah. really be a very good offense. If the line figures it out, let's say Jake Fisher is a good right tackle, and I think he can be based on the flashes. Let's say Alex Redman is a good starting right guard, and he can be based on the flashes. Billy Price hits the ground running. Cordy Glenn plays all 16 games. Tyler Eifert is healthy all year and looks good. Um, John Ross is who he's supposed to be. Joe Mixon is who he's supposed to be. This offense can line up with anybody at that point. And it's not crazy to say the really the, the lowest pedigree would be an Alex Redman or a Christian Westerman or Trey Hopkins. Fifth round, undrafted, undrafted. Everyone else is highly drafted players or players with a lot of talent. Um, so the offense could be very, very good. And the things you hear about Bill Lazor's offense and the way they're changing it this offseason could be a lot of um, offseason talk where everything sounds great. But also you're hearing some of the key points that you want to hear um, with the RPOs, with the multiple looks, with moving guys around, with the focus on the offensive line. And I think removing Paul Alexander and putting in Frank Pollock is a huge addition. It shouldn't be undersold. Um, I think Alexander hurt this offense in a lot of ways uh, with the running game and with the design of, of, of the running scheme. Um, so Pollock should change a lot of that and should help. So for me, I do think they could win five games and be bad. And we laid out the reasons why. Just like last year, we thought, yes, this offense can mitigate the, the, the O-line issues if all the weapons are healthy, but they weren't. And they weren't who we expected. You know, they weren't good when they were healthy. Um, th- just that side of the coin, flip it over, and those guys are healthy and good and playing well, and this offense is a completely different unit. But And I think their defense is actually better than offense right now. The pass rushers they brought in, the depth on the defensive line, I think it's a strength at this point. Uh, they've got a lot of linebackers, even though Burfick suspended again, 
and I don't really love any of that next group. At least you have a bunch of guys that have some athleticism and speed at this point with Evans and Vigil and Jefferson. Um, they, it's really a 180 from what they were just three or four years ago where they had a bunch of guys that were run stuffers or or, or in wrong positions or, or really a bunch of inside linebackers. Um, and then the secondary could be very, very good. So I think the defense could be better than the offense. That could be, it could be something that they lean on. I, this team could win 11 games. But I do think you could end up with a top five pick also. So I don't see putting it at six, six and a half wins. For me, I would say seven and a half because I do think an eight and eight year or, or blower is usually what you get with Marvin Lewis. You just get that, <laughs> that either it's they're going to win seven games or they're going to win nine games, six or ten. You know, it's in that range where they're never too bad or they're never too good. And I think the Super Bowl odds thing is because of Lewis and Dalton. I don't think anyone's confident that even on a, if this team is very good and all the talent stays healthy in it, and you know, 2015 wise, I don't even think people look at him and say, "Yeah, I don't think Marvin Lewis is going to outcoach Bill Belichick, or Andy <laughs> Dalton's not going to outduel Andrew Luck, Philip Rivers, whoever you want to name, Derek Derek Carr." Tom Brady in AFC. Even if I feel like if it was the versus the Chiefs, I feel more confident that Patrick Mahomes is going to elevate his team more. And we've only seen him for one and a half games. So I understand why the Super Bowl odds are really low because I think the combination of Mike Brown, Marvin Lewis, and Andy Dalton are unlikely to ever take a deep dive into the playoffs. We'll continue our conversation with Joe Goodberry of The Athletic. But first, a word from Blue Chew. Guys, let's talk about sex. Remember when you were always ready to go, you could get right into the game? Well, let's get your performance right. You can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. You got to listen up, though. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. BlueChew.com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable... They work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal since you listen to the Locked on Bengals podcast. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use special promo code locked on, that's L O C K E D O N promo code locked on. All you pay is $5 for shipping. Again, that's B L U E com promo code locked on to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. And we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. Joe, one thing I was thinking about as I, I watched the Bengals last week during OTA practice and it was the first time in, in quite some time that after Andy Dalton, we really don't know who's there. And there are plenty of fans who felt like A.J. McCarron was better than Andy Dalton and should have gotten a chance. But even if you didn't think that, even if you were low on McCarron or just very high on Dalton, it's clear McCarron could have kept this team afloat if anything were to happen to Dalton. I think one big difference, and we've talked about the injury risks on this team, one big difference with this year's Bengals team and previous year's Bengals teams, if Dalton gets injured, there's going to be such a drop-off. That could derail the entire season. And I'm not the biggest Andy Dalton guy, but the drop-off from Andy Dalton to Matt Barkley or Andy Dalton to Driscoll or, good God, Andy Dalton to seventh-round pick Logan Woodside, 
it's drastic. And I think that that's, that's another thing here that could derail the, the 2018 Bengals. Let's say Andy breaks his thumb again or does something where he's out a month. That's it. I don't know if they could win a game without Andy. I think you can make the case that this is the largest talent gap between quarterback one and quarterback two on the Bengals in the Marvin Lewis era. Because it's always been like Kitna and Palmer, um, and then it went to Palmer and Fitzpatrick, mm-hmm. and then it was Dalton and Gradkowski, and then uh, Dalton and McCarron. You always had a solid backup, or if not one that you thought could at least come in and, and replicate a lot of what your starter can do. Um, at this point, Matt Barkley, I mean, we're talking about sixth year. I think it's a sixth team. Um, it's not like you're going to hang, hang your hat on him having a strong arm or mobility. He's a lot like Dalton in terms of physical limitations, but I think he's got a, even a worse of an arm in terms of just power, raw power. When I watched him, and he just came up today on my uh, top 50 Bengals players for the athletic, uh, so he's in the bottom five guys on the team uh, on, the, on the top 50. He's very weird. His best stretch was with the with the Bears two years ago. And he's very task-oriented um, and can get the ball out quickly, get it to his right guy. But because of his arm limitation, and it's funny because he reminded me of Logan Woodside a lot, who Woodside has a very, very weak arm also. Um, these guys rely on anticipation. They rely on throwing the ball early and really trusting their receivers to be where they got to be. And it leads to mistakes because you're throwing it before really you need to, uh, before you're sure that this guy's going to be open. And you see it with Barkley a lot. And then I put, a, I put up a video with that of all of Barkley's interceptions and big sacks and big moments. And they're all when he tries to do a little bit too much. He'll hang in the pocket where we, we see Dalton bails the pocket and, and doesn't like to hold it after three seconds. Barkley will hold it and look and try and fight and try and keep going through progressions and try and find someone open, which is good, but he's careless with the ball. He's not a great athlete, and he doesn't have a strong arm. So as the play extends, he needs to push the ball further downfield, and he gets caught so much trying to do that, and it leads to interceptions. Um, I don't trust him that if he has to go in. I don't. I think if Matt Barkley has to start two, three, four games, you must you you better be lucky to win one out of three, one out of four, and uh, it could really derail your year on a team that, you know, if they are a nine and seven team, you can't afford to lose Dalton for four games because that changes you from nine and seven to maybe seven and and, and nine, you know. And um, the good part is Dalton's been pretty durable and healthy, so it can happen to anyone. Of course, anyone can get injured, but durability is a strength of Andy Dalton's. Yeah, and, and Joe, that's the thing. And I was reading something last week about the Bengals and just off-season questions for every single NFL team. And the, the biggest off-season question that they had, and I forget if this was Bleacher Report or CBS Sports, but it was, it might have been ESPN, heck, I'm not sure. But it was basically their, the biggest like look back and, and questionable decision they've made this off-season was not drafting Lamar Jackson at 21. And I get why, I, I, obviously. And I think in five years, if Lamar Jackson pans out, we could look back and say, well, what the hell were you thinking, Bengals? That being said, mine isn't that. Mine is not going out and getting, whether it's a, a Cameron Fleming who ended up signing a, a pretty low-end deal um, to, to potentially play right tackle or some kind of veteran to push at this right tackle spot because it's it's Jake Fisher, it's Cedric Abwehi, et cetera. And I'm all about drafting a quarterback. At the same time, I think they could have done that and got a quarterback in the draft. The biggest concern for me is that right side of the line. So this kind of ties into the quarterback as well. But would you 
say looking back on this year, this offseason is the biggest, outside of bringing Marvin back, uh, the, the biggest questionable decision from the Bengals? Yeah, uh, I think a lot of people were surprised they didn't do more on the offensive line in the draft. Um, if you go case by case, and it's funny because I remember you and I talking during the draft and text messages and stuff, and each time it was like, well, why did they take a guy in the third, fourth, fifth? And when you look at it, you said, well, those tackles really weren't worth it. The tackle class dropped off, and we knew that going in. Um, you're going to have to reach for Colton Miller in the top 12, top 15, wherever he went to the Raiders. Uh it just wasn't worth it in this draft. And, and once you got in the second, third round, we thought maybe like a Terrell Crosby out of uh, Oregon, who a lot of people liked, but his testing numbers were terrible. He needed a lot of uh, technique work, and he ended up going, I believe, in the sixth round. Um, so it kind of made sense that they didn't attack it. But on the other hand, um, quarterback position, I'll throw out another name. Maybe they should have signed Teddy Bridgewater when, mm-hmm. for one year, five million dollars. The, the reports are he looks healthy. He looks really good in camp. He may start the season for the Jets, uh, and he's on a one-year deal. And they have McCown for a veteran backup. They drafted Sam Darnold in the top five. Um, Bridgewater may just be a one-year thing and 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 out. But for the Bengals, uh, you know, he could have come in there and done the same thing and been behind as much depth or without a secure path to the starter position, just like he has with the Jets right now. He really doesn't have a direct path to that position, uh, not long-term at least. You know, that would have been someone I would have brought in. Yeah, he would have cost more than Barkley, who was at 1.5, I believe, cap hit this year. So the cap hit would have been a little bit more. But we're not talking about cap space with the Bengals often because they usually have uh, more than enough to, to throw around. But that has been, would have been someone I would have brought in, not only just for securing the backup position, but maybe push Andy Dalton a little bit. It's funny because I remember when um, Alex Van Pelt was signed and he talked about, and I think Bill Lazor said this too, that they wanted to push and put pressure on Andy Dalton and keep the pressure on him. Um, now, they must have been talking schematically because they didn't bring in anybody. And like we just said in the last segment that, it may be the largest talent gap between Dalton and his backup that, that he's ever had. Um, bringing in a Bridgewater for me would have would have pushed him, secured the backup spot, and maybe would have allowed us to have an eye on the future. If it's not Teddy, because Teddy's still young, if he believes he's only 24 years old, 25, um, you know, at least now I would feel a little bit better going into 2019 and 20 um, with the backup position. Yeah, it's... It's one of those things, man. Like I, I could love John Ross. You know, we can love John Ross. We can love the position players. We can like the potential of the defense. Uh, but ultimately, if Dalton goes down now, more so than ever, and if you're a Dalton lover, fine. I mean, this is this is where you want it because now it, it's all on him to a certain degree, and he he can prove himself. But if he goes down, this team, like let's say Andy Dalton, and I hope this doesn't happen, obviously, but let's say something happened and he doesn't play any of the games, Joe. He just misses the entire season. I would pick this team to win maybe two games. Am I crazy? If they're lucky. No, if they're lucky, this would be an Andrew <laughs> Luck situation, right? Or a Peyton Manning situation. And not that I believe Dalton's the same caliber quarterback, but those guys in Indianapolis never had the roster the Bengals even have now coming off a bad year. So for me, um, yeah, you won two games if they're lucky and you get the first pick and if that happened, uh, yeah, it would just be a much, much different path than I think we've experienced in a long time. That's Joe Goodberry of The Athletic. Make sure you check out his countdown right now. The Bengals' top 50 
players at The Athletic. Uh, he's on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry. Good stuff there from Joe, as always. You're going to hear part two of my conversation with Joe on Friday. Hope you have a great day on this Wednesday. Thank you so much for listening to the Locked On Bengals Podcast. <laughs> 